0: Hello, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to the Colorism Healing Podcast, where our goal is to learn, transform, and resist. What you're about to listen to is the audio version of my weekly live streams on Instagram and Facebook, which you are welcome to join every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central Time. But for now, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Hello. Welcome to another weekly live session with Colorism Healing. I am Dr. Sarah L. Webb. Today's topic is inspirational figures in black history who have inspired my work on colorism y'all know i gotta get into jump on the black history bandwagon but i gotta put a little twist on it too so we're going to be looking at what these historical figures have to say about colorism specifically because a lot of these names you will know a lot of these names you will recognize but what you might not know is that they have been schooling us on this issue of colorism for decades so before I jump into that, I always like to take time to see who's on the chat. Make sure you say hello, introduce yourself. Let me know where you're from, whether you're on Facebook or Instagram Live. You notice my background is a little different now too. <laughs> so it's a new setup. I'm in a different room. Hopefully I'm not echoing too much or you know other technical issues. Bear with me. I'm, I'm trying to change it up a little bit for y'all. Okay, let me start waving at folks on Instagram, I love to wave at all my people. Hey there, hey, hey Sarah, hey Diana. (laughs) Love it, love it. Hey JB, okay Sienna, loving the wall art. Yeah, does anybody recognize this wall art? Bonus points for anyone who can tell me where this wall art is also commonly seen. (laughs) Courtney, Louisiana, in the house. We're at Louisiana, so I grew up in Baton Rouge. Lived in Kenner a little bit before that. Let's see, anyone else? Let me check my Facebook folks. Hey, Anthony Webb, aka Dad. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. Okay, so I see people joining. You can, y'all can be quiet in the chat. That's cool, you know. <laughs> From a previous book, that's right. See, Anna, this art is done by the very talented artist, my dear friend. Camille Hoffman, and it's called Consort, okay? And it was the cover of the first ever Colorism Healing Anthology, way back in 2016. So it's actually very appropriate to be doing my Colorism Healing Lives in front of this painting. And it is very colorful on my phone. <laughs> From Appaloosas, live and Karen Crow. Cha, stop, stop. <laughs> Yo, my my Louisiana folks on here saying what's up to Courtney because my mom is from Lafayette, okay? So we know about Karen Crow and Opelousas. <laughs> so we definitely have to chat. Um, hey, Jendale, I was just telling Courtney that Courtney's from uh, Opelousas and living in Karen Crow, child. Can you believe that? <laughs> okay, I thought people are like, what is Dr. Webb talking about? She's not talking about black history. Hey, Bobby. Hello, love the new background. Thank you. Yes, I'm in my dining room. So, and I was talking about this painting being the first ever book cover for the Colorism Healing Writing Contest. Okay, so let's get into it. I have a few of my favorite figures from Black History and people have been leaving comments on my posts about who some of their favorites were. So if you're on the live and you have a favorite black history icon, a favorite figure from African-American life and culture, alive or not alive, then share in the comments in the chat, tell us about that person and why you like them, but I'm gonna jump in. So some of you have seen my post on Sunday where I previewed this content before, but I have to start with Alice Walker. Why? Because Alice Walker actually coined the term colorism, right? Now, I can't say if the word has, was ever used before she used it, but she's definitely the one who used it to describe colorism as we know it today, right? Way back in 1982, I wasn't even born yet. Can you believe that? I wasn't even born yet when Alice Walker used this term colorism in an essay called, If the present looks like the past, what will the future look like? And the essay was basically a letter to a light-skinned friend of hers after they had had a conversation about colorism. And so the quote that I included from Alice Walker, I think is relevant, right? So she's saying, we were speaking of the hostility many black, black women feel toward light-skinned black women. And you said, quote, well, I'm light, it's not my fault and I'm not going to apologize for it. So yeah, we're jumping right in. <laughs> And I said, apology for one's color is not what anyone is asking. What black black women would be interested in, I think, is a consciously heightened awareness on the part of light black women, that they are capable and often quite unconsciously of inflicting pain upon them. And that unless the question of colorism in my definition, prejudicial or preferential treatment is addressed in our communities, especially in our black sisterhoods, then we cannot as a people progress for colorism, like sexism and racism and colonialism impedes us. So yes, folks, you just witnessed the first little excerpt in which the term colorism was used in the way that we use it today. So everybody clap it up for Alice Walker. And of course I'm an English professor. So the fact that she a, is a writer, right? A novelist and a poet helps a lot too, right? In terms of my respect for her. Color purple for anyone who, who needs that knowledge. I don't think anyone on here. Okay, I'm back. Poor internet connection. I thought I, I'm close to my router, so I thought it would be better, but apparently not. Okay, so Janelle Crutch says, Ruby Bridges, the courage of a baby to walk into school and be ostracized by everyone in the school. Michelle Obama for walking in her full authentic self on one of the highest stages in the world. So Janelle Crutchfield sharing some of her personal favorites from Black History Month. Two women who are still alive today. Um... Yeah, I respect those women as well, for sure. Yeah, I saw that I paused because of my internet connection. (laughs) So I should be back now. Fingers crossed that that's the last issue we'll have with that. Um, But I like Alice Walker's letter. I encourage you to read it. It's from the book In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, right? Which is a collection of essays of hers. And that essay goes into a lot of detail, a lot of anecdotes, and a lot of just explanation, but also a lot of honest conversation. Again, it's a letter to a light-skinned woman, right? And so I know a lot of light-skinned people watch my lives and watch my videos and follow my page. And so that essay in particular could be insightful or useful or open up uh, avenues for conversation and how an example of how to have conversations about colorism when we are varying skin tones. Um, All right, don't forget that if you're tuning in live, I'm curious to know who some of your favorite icons from black history are. All of mine, the ones I'm talking about today, I kind of started being exposed to before I started colorism healing, before I started doing research and things like that. These people were just pivotal, some. I'm not even including all of them, you know what I mean? But some of them were extremely pivotal for me when I was in high school, for example. went natural in high school, went natural in high school. And that's when I discovered this quote that I'm about to read from the one, the only, Malcolm X. Need to take a pause. I love Malcolm X for so many reasons. And I know his, his legacy, like so many black people from history has been controlled and dominated by mainstream media, right? Mainstream white media, mainstream white historians have painted pictures of our folks, of our history, and twisted it, distorted it um, for their own purposes, to their own ends, right? Even the sub- supposed dichotomy between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, right, is, in my opinion, exaggerated. A, I say that both men gave their lives literally to the cause. And B, there when people say, oh, Malcolm X represented violence and King represented peace, I want you to identify a moment where Malcolm X used violence. The religion of Islam, right, the Muslim religion, is a peaceful religion. Malcolm X was not a violent man. Okay? But anyway, I'm getting off topic. I'm supposed to read the quote. Jandell um, says, truth, yes, okay, so he says, it's an it's essay, this essay is called, um, actually, I don't know what the essay is called, but it's from his, it's one of his last speeches, it's one of the last speeches Malcolm X ever gave before he was assassinated, and so that was 1965, I think February of 1965 was the speech, and it's called Racism is a Global Problem, not just a U.S. problem. It's something along the lines of that. And so he's talking about global black identity. He's talking about a global coalition against white supremacy, a global coalition of brown and black people to dismantle international powers of war and domination and oppression, okay? And within that context, he's talking about the history of brainwashing essentially that has happened to African Americans in the United States. And so the small quote that I'm gonna share today is that when you teach a man to hate his lips, the lips that God gave him, the shape of the nose that God gave him, the texture of the hair that God gave him, the color of the skin that God gave him, you've committed the worst crime that a race of people can commit. And this is the crime that you've committed. Our color became a chain. A psychological chain. Our blood, African blood, became a psychological chain. A prison because we were ashamed of it. We felt trapped because our skin was black. We felt trapped because we had African blood in our veins. You still see the result of it among our people in this country today. What I love about that essay, though, is he also explains how that conditioning happened. He talks about the fact that European powers dominated images of Africa. They controlled the perception of Africa and and all black people around the world. And so African-Americans living in the United States who were ripped from our homeland, who were stripped away from Africa and didn't have conscious memory of Africa, literally all we knew of the place we came from, of the place we descended from, was based on textbooks that white people wrote was based on movies or paintings done by white people. And I think to anyone watching, especially if you are a descendant of African people, um, we live in a time now that's unprecedented where we no longer can use that as an excuse, right? if you have access to some form of technology, if you're watching this, you have the access to technology to educate yourself on the true history, the true nature of Africa as a continent and the various diverse peoples of Africa and how we descend from them. Even the technology of DNA tests, right? That a lot of people are taking these days to show you all the different regions and possible tribes of Africa that we come from, right? But historically speaking, we were at the mercy of the information curated specifically to brainwash us, curated specifically to give us a negative perception of Africa, right? And that negative perception was for the whole world, including Black people around the world. Um, Okay. Um, Let me see. I think I saw some comments. Let me... (laughs) Yes, I love this. Love it. Girl, you talking. <laughs> curated. Curated. They were like, hmm, how can we control these people? <laughs> Let's make them hate themselves. <laughs> oh, but we got y'all number nine. We see y'all. We see y'all for who y'all are. And we ain't taking it no more. <laughs> um, it must be the different location, but I feel like I'm on a different wavelength today. Now, this next person, y'all, I read her autobiography in um, high school, my senior high school, no, junior year in high school I read her autobiography, Dust Tracks on the Road. Y'all know who I'm talking about? This lady is bad this is a bad lady right here you tell it like, we think we fly now, like let's take it back to the Harlem Renaissance and talk about your girl Zora Neal Hurston for a second, okay just She was an anthropologist, like traveled the world, studying languages and culture. She had the benefit of growing up in a small town in Florida that was all black. So the the level of self-awareness and self-esteem that she had was unprecedented. And that's where a lot of her confidence and fire came from, is that she grew up in a town where the people who owned the stores, the people who were making the laws and things like that, her teachers were Black, right? And so she was kind of shielded from the negative influence that racism can have on people's self-esteem and psychology. And so I definitely think that a lot of her confidence is attributed to that. But... She's a truth teller, she speaks the truth and it kind of you know, rubbed people the wrong way during the time that she was alive. But when I saw this quote in my high school English class, reading her autobiography, I think I was actually reading it in class, it opened up my heart. And I know a lot of people who discover my page say they experience a similar feeling. Like somebody's actually saying it. Oh my gosh, I saw it too but I felt like I couldn't talk about it. But the fact that this iconic, famous black woman is calling out colorism, I felt so free. I felt validated, basically, at the end of the day, I felt validated like i never had before. So here's what she says in Dust Tracks on a Road. I found the Negro, and always the blackest Negro, being made the butt of all jokes, particularly black women. If it, was, if, if it was so honorable and glorious to be black, why was it that the yellow-skinned people among us had so much prestige? Even a child in the first grade could see that this, is, that this was so from what happened in the classroom and on school programs. The light-skinned children were always the angels, fairies, and queens of the school play. The light of the girl, the more money and prestige she was apt to marry. So on into high school years, I was asking myself these kinds of questions, okay? And I was like, yes, Zora, I've been asking myself these questions too. And I feel like no one else is. (laughs) Um, But that, you know, she's most famous. Again, I don't know who my audience is all the time, necessarily anyone can see this video. But if you don't know, Zora Neale Hurston, is most famously known as the author of their eyes were watching God most famously but she's written a ton of other novels she's even written a play called Color Struck on colorism as well I haven't been waving at folks I haven't been keeping up with my waves I apologize y'all um JB 1710 says Fannie Lou Hamer, civil rights activist. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Amen, yes. So if you're tuning in late, this is a celebration of iconic black individuals from history or iconic individuals from black history. (laughs) So I'm sharing some of my favorites, particularly those who have schooled me in the world on colorism, but I'm also interested in seeing and knowing about some of your favorite figures from black history. Uh, some people even shouted out their parents. It doesn't have to be a famous person from black history. Anybody who represents black history to you, let us know, give them a shout out in the chat. Um, Knits, Stitches and Blocks <laughs> says, I should re- reread this, I should reread this. Yes, Dust Tracks on the Road, And then Haughty says, that's so real. I used to have conversations with my grandma around colorism as early as first grade, and I wish that was more normalized because so many light-skinned folks are raised convinced they're superior to be colorists, or that they can't be colorists. Okay, Haughty, I hope I'm saying that correctly. I don't think, um, I've seen you on the lives before. Like, I don't remember saying, saying or seeing that username. So hello to you and welcome, and thank you for jumping right in and hopping in the chat with some gems. So A, yes, I wish talking about colorism, period, just talking about it. Can we normalize that in 2021? Like actually saying there's a thing over here that's happening all over the world. It has a name. (laughs) Here's how it affects people. Here's how it affected me. Let's normalize talking about it at young ages. Right, I like the generational, cross-generational discussion that you had with your grandma. Kudos to grandma. Shout out to grandma. Anyone else had an awesome grandma in black history? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm pausing just to reflect on the power of grandmothers. But the fact that a lot of light-skinned people, you're saying, are raised convinced they're superior are to be colorists, are that they can't be colorists. I think that's an interesting point. I know a lot of people would say, well, a lot of light skinned people would say, well, I'm not colorist. I don't think I'm superior. But we have to separate how we are from the larger pattern in society, right? So I know I'm slightly veering away from highlighting these black figures to talk more about this point. But I can. It's just like a white person saying, I'm not racist. Like it's fine that you as an individual are not racist. <laughs> But there, A, there are a lot of white people who are. And B, society, culture has implicit racism as well, right? Like even conditioned racism. I have other videos where I talk about implicit bias and subconscious programming and all that. But I think the same can be said for colorism as well, right? So I think light-skinned people do have to work harder to acknowledge that dark-skinned people are just as good as them or just as beautiful as them. The reason why I say that is because we live in a culture that will prize light-skinned over dark skinned way more often than not. We live in a culture, a society that privileges lighter skin. And so you have to work harder if you're lighter-skinned to sort of check that and say, wait, I am receiving this attention. I'm receiving this accolade. I'm I'm receiving this prestige. And let me not let it go to my head, right? And this is the same for any other, you know, realm of privilege that you might have. Um, I'm not trying to step on any toes today, but yeah. <laughs> it says, Aughty Shawty. Shod- uh, shod- uh, like, Aughty Shawty. And yeah, I'm a new follower. Happy to be here. Yay. <laughs> um, awake Warrior 912 Always good to see you. <laughs> my father taught us as well. He was a Haitian man raising a family in suburban Illinois. I learned so much from him and I am grateful. Awake Warrior, I'm in Illinois right now. Are you still in Illinois? We might have to do a little drive-by wave and say, hey, (laughs) since it's quarantine and pandemic, you know, we're not going to do coffee necessarily, but I'd like to see. It would be awesome to see some of y'all in person after this pandemic. So maybe we can make that happen. Um. But yes, kudos to your father being a Haitian man. I think it's interesting that the international dynamic of colorism, I always say it's not just an African-American problem. Even though we are talking about Black history and African-American history this month, for obvious reasons, it is February. It is global. It affects people of all colors, all races, right? And obviously, too, I am an African-American woman, so I, I do talk about that experience a lot but it happens to our people and I mean our people as in humans humans y'all my people (laughs) all over the world um and we need and parents of both genders have to take on that responsibility it can't just be moms you can't just say oh well the mother will handle the colorism conversation like fathers grandmothers grandfathers uncles aunts all of us um, I am Shonda Rule. Grace Jones, come through Grace Jones. Hey, come through Grace Jones. <laughs> I'm having fun today. <laughs> Grace Jones, there were not many dark-skinned women to look up to in the 80s, says I am Shonda Rule. I was called Grace Jones as an insult, but ended up admiring her because she is so unapologetic and courageous. Okay, I am Shonda Rule. You better say it. I hope you're still watching so you can see the little dance I did for Grace Jones. <laughs> um, Awake Warrior says, I'm in Atlanta now. Okay, well, cool. <laughs> you're much warmer than I am, so good, good job. Um, k my Mama says, I missed it again. No, you didn't miss it. We're still on here. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, you're still here. Good, yeah. but Okay, Grace Jones. Whoopi Goldberg was the one I got. Now, let me... Pause here to say, don't tell me I look like another black woman as an insult. I, ooh, I'm so frustrated when just keep our names out of your mouth if you ain't got nothing good to say about black women. But I feel you on that. I don't think I was ever called Grace Jones. But I used to say, well, you looking like Whoopi Goldberg, especially look, see my hair. You see my hair when I would have twists right? In high school and stuff, you know, you look like Whoopi Goldberg. Like that was supposed to be an insult. And I'm like, what's wrong with Whoopi Goldberg? Can you elaborate on that? Can you expose yourself for the colorist you are? (laughs) Okay. Let me get back to these iconic figures in black history. Cause I'm not even, no, I am halfway done actually. (laughs) Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey. Okay. So I discovered Marcus Garvey at the same time that I got the Malcolm X quote. Obviously I knew of Malcolm X beforehand because of the Spike Lee film, yes. Um, but Marcus Garvey, I, I was searching the internet. It was early back then, so we still had dial-up. You know, I think we might've been using AOL, you know. But I was going natural in high school. And y'all know this was the, when was I in high school? Like late 90s, early 2000s, okay? The 99 and 2000. Um, And so I wanted affirmation as a teenage black girl going natural. So I took to the internet. I searched around what was going on. It was Curly Nikki, the blog Curly Nikki. Some of you might remember it, that I discovered. And there are some other forum, right, where people were posting links, like affirmative links and quotes. And I stumbled upon the Marcus Garvey quote that says, do not remove the kinks from your hair, Remove them from your brain. Now, that can be a little harsh, right? I'm not trying to say people have kinks in their brain or something's wrong with your brain, right? Or that your brain is malfunctioning if you straighten your hair. But to me, that means change the way you think about your hair. Undo the programming that told you that your kinky, coily, curly, however you want to describe it, hair is bad. Also, another thing that I want to normalize in 2021 is hair that sticks up and hair that does not move. OK, I feel like I'm, I'm throwing a lot of stuff in here, <laughs> but I remember growing up. It was like, oh, I see your ponytail moving, girl, your ponytail moving. you got that good hair. And I'm like, OK, and if my ponytail don't move, I still have good hair. Right. The fact that we glamorize hair that sways back and forth. Y'all know that's a remnant of white supremacy and anti-blackness, right? And I'm not saying you can't like it. You can like it, but to glamorize that and praise that above hair that doesn't move, right? Hair that doesn't fall, fall flat is a remnant of white supremacist anti-black conditioning. Let me get some of my comments in here, okay. Uh, my mother was a light-skinned Haitian mom with an accent. Dad talked about his experience in a world that disliked the black man. He struggled, but he raised his children to be proud. Amen. A man, warrior, woke warrior. Can I call you that? I don't want to disrespect your username. Um, I was bullied for going natural. Yep, I believe it too. Especially if you went natural before the so-called natural hair movement. I believe it. I can't go and te- check the text message, Jay, so um, send it to me on Facebook, maybe. Uh, Sienna says, mine would be Langston Hughes. I was just talking about Langston Hughes the other night, Sienna. Ooh, loved his poems, Mother to Son and Harlem Sweeties. Harlem Sweeties describe the different shades of black women as well. Yes, I think I had some of my high school students read Harlem Sweeties. And Mother the Son, obviously the iconic classic poem. I love Langston Hughes as a poet, another Harlem Renaissance poet. I think him and Zora Neale Hurston had a contentious relationship (laughs) during the Harlem Renaissance. Um, He talks about it a little bit in his biography, the uh, autobiography, The Big C. Is it the, the big C rap? Right? It was one of the books I took from my sister. My sister was in college and she was like an African-American studies major. And I was still in high school and I would just like read all her books that she brought home from college. Um, yes, all of that. Yes, to hair that sticks up. Facts, exactly speak. Um, Audie Shawdy says, that's why white like skin privilege is a thing because it's rooted in anti-blackness and white supremacy. Rooted in praising any proximity to whiteness. 100%. Armando says, as a kid, I was darker than my brother. So they called me Negro or the character from Roots Kunta. As a kid, I felt that it was bad because of the laughter. This was in Peru. Armando, you've never told me that story. (laughs) Thank you for sharing it now, though. That's really deep. Um, But it just goes to show that there's always more to know about you all. Um, But I think that was another one. And it's, strange that this was in peru because that was also used as an insult in the united states amongst black people other black kids at school would call you kunta i say you looked like kunta Quinte to insult you and so my mind is a little blown now that you were experiencing the same thing in a completely different country wow um audie Charlie says texturism is a very big topic that is so rarely talked about as well, 100%. And I think texturism influences people so much because it's one of the easiest things to change about ourselves is our hair, right? It's it's harder to change your skin complexion. It's harder to change the shape of your nose, but your hair, you can change like that, right? You can get a wig, you can get a relaxer, you can do a straightening comb. And so because it's so easy to change it, people really don't like that you choose not to. Because, it's, because you can easily change it to something that they would find more appeasing. So it's really bold when you choose not to change your natural hair and be like, yeah, no, my hair sticks up, <laughs> you know? And this is not even sticking up like it usually is. Like when it's actually twisted, I untwisted it. When it's actually twisted it, I can get it. I can get almost like a vertical. I can get a vertical on this hair right here. That's some good stuff. <laughs> um yes taught a lot they called our brother Kunta too back in Louisiana the their women in my college got perms and compliment the white girl hair while they talk about me right right i saw that a lot a lot of um fellow african american students would fawn over white girls hair like playing in the white girls hair and I, I talk about that when I'm teaching educators about how to identify colorism in schools, right? When you see little black girls like playing in the white girl's hair and like fawning over her hair, right? That, you know, we need to do some affirmation there for our little black girls, right? Um, even I think my niece one time, I don't know if I my sister's going <laughs> to tell me not to say this, but she was asking you know why doesn't my hair move right because she was going to school with all white girls but also what you see in tv what you see in the movies the hair always falls down so then we you know went zero to 60 on like but look at afro hair how beautiful it is so anyway we have to do a lot of work in that area Armando says, colorism was not a topic of discussion, but I learned through Puerto Rican and black writers. Ah, yes, Puerto Rican and black writers. Can you drop some names for us? We're sharing our favorite folks throughout history. I'm going to read one other aspect of this Marcus Garvey quote, and then I'm going to move on to my last two folks. Marcus Garvey also famously said, the black skin is not a badge of shame. People try to pretend like they're unbothered. People try to pretend like they're unfazed. But a lot of Black people have to deal with the shame that we were taught conditioned to feel about our Blackness. Like, I'm just gonna keep it real with y'all. Like, when women are terrified to leave the house with their natural hair, That's shame, you're experiencing shame. You're too ashamed for people to see your Afro hair. (sighs) Anyway, (laughs) the black skin is not a badge of shame, but rather a glorious symbol of national greatness. If we as a people realize the greatness from which we came, we would be less likely to disrespect ourselves. So part of Black History Month is to do that. A big part of the purpose of Black History Month is so we know that we did not begin with slavery, as a African Americans and in the diaspora. So I know in UK they have Black History Month in October, I believe, right? But anywhere in the diaspora, if you are a black person, if you descend from African blood, just know that your history did not start on the soil you are now. Right? You have centuries, eons of legacy before you. And I know for African-Americans in particular, because African-American history has traditionally started with slavery, that conditions us to think we don't come from greatness, right? That we started in poverty, we started in lack, but we didn't, right? That was a detour. Slavery was a detour for us, right? We were rich, robust culturally right we were wise we had traditions we had our own religions all of that let me keep going (laughs) because i I do this every week so i don't have to get it all in today okay so i'm gonna slow down um jb 1710 says they called my son kunta thank god for woke moms yeah They did. Marsha P. Johnson. Marsha P. Johnson. A favorite quote of hers for me is, quote, I may be crazy, but that don't make me wrong. (laughs) I love it. I wish I could save the chat. Y'all, let's petition Instagram to let people save the live chat. Do y'all know that when we save our live streams, we can't save the live chat on Instagram. It saves on Facebook. Matter of fact, let me see what people are saying on Facebook. Um, Oh, New Orleans checking in. What's up, Kev? (laughs) Um, But on Instagram, when you save the video, the chat is gone forever. And that's a shame. That's why I read the chat. So let me do a little housekeeping. That's why I read the chat out loud, because it's a way of saving the chat because you won't be able to see it again. So as long as I say it on the video, people still get the content. Okay, so that's important to me because y'all drop some gems. Y'all drop fire in these chats. Um, Awake Warrior says, true. My hair has been natural since I discovered black treatment in Atlanta. And it helps to be in Atlanta, right? Where there's a thriving black community. Armando says, down this mean street was my first book. Down this mean street was his first book. All right, y'all. So note that. We got to go back and find that. (laughs) All right. Same in UK schools. Our history started at Windrush. My dad said some of those chats to us, his children, we learned from it. Um, So Knits, Stitches and Blocks says, it was the same in UK schools, right? So they were not taught about history before UK. All right, last two, Tom Burrell is a more recent figure, the most recent actually um, figure on this list because his book came out in 2010. And I met him at the Essence Festival. He signed my copy of the book. I gotta go find it though. <laughs> but he signed my copy of the book, Brainwashed. And this was another moment, because it was 2010. So I hadn't even wrote my first blog post on colorism yet. So this is back in the day. Y'all, see, y'all seeing the inspiration pre-colorism healing, pre-blogging, right? And so one quote from that book was, many of us boast of having a little Indian Irish Italian. Any additional blood in our lineage boosts our value. We find ourselves using a sliding racial scale somewhere between black and white, with lighter or whiter always, always defined as better. The color struck class war played out in black families, neighborhoods, social clubs, churches, colleges, fraternal organizations, and nearly every conceivable part of our culture. As the stigma progressed, class stratification within the black community became based to a large degree on the presence or absence of black features. It is a profound irony that the attractiveness attractiveness rating was enhanced by the whiteness of hair, skin color, and facial features. Sadly, that rating system continues today. Can y'all see why I had to include Tom Barrow on this list? Like he just broke it all the way down. That's just one paragraph, right? That's, there's a whole chapter and multiple chapters where he digs into stuff like that. Again, the book is brainwashed. Um, oh, I thought I saw more comments coming up, but I guess not. And then the last one, also one of my favorites, I read the novel in college. I found it at a used bookstore. I found it somewhere. It must have been a used bookstore on uh, somebody's house, a library sale. I don't remember where I got the book. Um, but it was, the title was The Blacker, The Berry. Okay, so I'm in college. This is way before colorism healing days. Um, and I see a book called, a novel called The Blacker, The Berry. And I'm like, why have I never heard of this novel? Why am I just now? in college discovering that there was a novel called The Black or the Berry. And the cover, the particular edition of the book that I found had a dark purple cover and a black silhouette, a jet black silhouette of a young woman. And I said, oh, this is my book right here. And I'm telling you, some some books, some novels touch on the subject of colorism. They kind of have like a section or a scene where they're depicting colorism. The Black of the Berry by Wallace Thurman is colorism on every page. Every page of the novel is unpacking what colorism looked like in the Harlem Renaissance during that time period. So Wallace Thurman made it on the list because, and also it's interesting because I started with Alice Walker and I'm ending with Wallace Thurman. In the essay by Alice Walker that I'm recommending all of you read, she talks about Wallace Thurman. Okay. Yes. She explains, Alice Walker explains in her essay that prior to The Black of the Berry by Wallace Thurman, all the black writers were writing about mulatto characters. They were writing about white passing black characters, right? And so if the author was black and the characters were black, they always had pale skin. Um, straight hair, right, could pass as mulatto or mixed or white even. And so Alice Walker is talking about how Wallace Thurman used his own inspiration as a dark-skinned man to write a novel, the first novel, because this is, you know, 1920s, um, where the main character was a dark-skinned black woman, right? Um, so that, those are mine. And I appreciate the ones that you've shared with me. There are so many more. Y'all, I was a little behind on my DMs. I was like a, like months behind on my DMs. But I love getting comments and DMs, just conversations with y'all. Some of y'all, if you're watching, some of y'all. I might hit you up to do a live with me. So prepare yourself. All y'all that have been dropping gems in my comments, you know, you can do the live in your pajamas, you know what I mean? We chilling, you know what I mean? You don't have to look fancy or be fancy to join me live. But if I send you a DM and say, hey, would you like to do a live stream with me? Don't be surprised, okay? You, you did it to yourself by being in my comments and my DMs on a regular basis. <laughs> um, any final thoughts or closing thoughts? I didn't do my reminders. The contest, the Colorism Healing Contest is underway. It's international and it's open to all people. It is free to enter and it goes through April 30th. We accept all forms of writing, um, poetry, essay, prose, short stories. And Sienna I am, who just posted a uh, comment is one of the judges for this year. Hey, big ups to Sienna. As well as Bobby Simmons who's watching live on Facebook. So we have two of our judges as part of the um, live right now. And you can support the contest by becoming a member on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. And we also accept one time. So if you don't want like a regular monthly subscription to support, you can just give a few dollars once and say, hey, you know, I don't you know, want to sign up for regular payments, but I do want to give something. So we have Cash App and Venmo and PayPal. Um, I need to put a link tree in my bio. But if you're on either of those platforms, it's at colorism.com healing should be really easy to find and as always i I haven't been doing affirmations lately but i'll affirm you just by saying that i love Mm y'all it's beautiful and then the sun is shining today too that might be why i was a little extra today as well we got some sunshine in the midwest which is rare um sienna says oh wait there are comments (laughs) Um, I read that. Sarah, did you ever see the film The Human Stain starring Anthony Hopkins? Laura, I did not see that movie. I have to see it. The Human Stain starring Anthony Hopkins. Okay. So I will look into that. Dr. Webb, you are so awesome. Thank you for this live. Thank you, Michelle um aunties aunties hotties says agreed sienna everyone should go follow courtney taylor here on ig the court case she is a black woman and the senior writer of hallmark what a black woman is a senior writer for hallmark so all you hallmark fanatics who like really be into those hallmark movies now you can like feel extra good about supporting hallmark (laughs) yes for the win she wrote five of the cards in their new project, uplifted and empowered. Awesome. Thank you, Sienna. Also a little note, the teacher in me can't help it, but um, for all my aspiring writers out there, writing greeting cards is a gig. Like You can get paid to write greeting cards. They, some, somebody writes them. Might as well be you. <laughs> um, thank you, Michelle. Show support. Yes. Of course, I love the fact that you just, you're just watching and liking and sharing, but there are initiatives that do require funding. So if you're able to get financial support, we definitely appreciate it. Um, I appreciate the slide. You're dope. I hope to be at your next one. Thank you. I don't, I don't know what the topic is for my next one, but I'll post on Sunday so that you all know. All right. Um, Love Hallmark, but need more diversity. Yes. And actually, now that I read Sienna's post all the way through, I think she means senior writer of their greeting cards. (laughs) So I was talking about Hallmark movies, but Hallmark is greeting cards. So apparently, she might be the senior writer for their greeting cards and not their movies. Um, Laura London says, how do you get involved in the greeting card thing? I don't remember the specifics, but when I was looking to become a writer back in the day. I read a book that I'll, I'll go back. I probably can figure out the title if I think long and hard enough of the book where she has all the kinds of writing gigs there are and greeting cards was one of them. So I'll think more about what the name of that book was. Um, Sienna, Hallmark has a black offspring named Mahogany. Ah, so Mahogany is the offspring of um, Hallmark. Okay, I do know Mahogany. I don't, I don't think I knew that they were a part of Hallmark. Um, Besos and Gracias. e um, too. <laughs> Tell us your cash app, Dr. Web. It's at Colorism Healing or the little cash app symbol, Colorism Healing. Um, yes, Courtney is a writer for greeting cards. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Facebook, I'm sorry I haven't been looking at y'all as much because my new setup, I can't put the laptop camera parallel with the phone camera. So I have to do more back and forth, but more information on writing cards, please. Yes, Bobby. So I'm gonna wreck my memory, my brain and see what the name of that book was. Cause she includes greeting cards as just one of like hundreds of opportunities for writers that you can use. All right, I gotta go. I gotta hop off, but uh, this was a lot of fun today. I'm have to do it in my dining room all the time because I don't know. This is fun. All right, love y'all. And next week, same time, same place, okay? Mwah, mwah, mwah. Thanks again for listening. Please remember to hit the like button and share this episode with a friend. I hope you can join us again for the next one.